even though we have reached the quote-unquote zombie portion of the NHL offseason, the Penguins did sign Ty Smith to a one-year deal over the weekend. What does that mean for the Penguins heading into the season? I'll have my answer on that coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Store Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Before we get into the Ty Smith signing, I just want to say how thankful I am to be back in my own house, in my office with my beautiful mic, my better background, just recording a podcast episode free wall. I can only do so much on my work laptop with the graphics and just backgrounds and stuff. I am so glad to be home. It was a nice vacation that I had with my family, but I'm going to be home for the foreseeable future. The next vacation that I have is not until late August into early September when I will go to the Barbados to celebrate my three-year anniversary with my girlfriend. So that will be a lot of fun. But diving into the first topic to discuss today, the Penguins signed Ty Smith to a one-year deal over the weekend, $775,000. He is basically the second-to-last player that the Penguins have to sign when it comes to their restricted free agents. Technically, Philip Lindbergh and Philip Hollander are both restricted free agents, but they're going to be playing overseas for this upcoming season, so they're not really going to matter that much. Drew O'Connor is the last of the restricted free agents that the Penguins need to sign. His arbitration date is coming up on August 4th, though. I do expect the Penguins to have a deal ironed out with him before that date. When it comes to Smith, one-year deal, 775K, as I said, a one-way deal, so he will make the same amount of money in the NHL that he would in the AHL. And perhaps an even bigger thing when it comes to this deal, he is no longer waiver exempt. So remember last year when he didn't have to pass through waivers to be sent down to Wilkesbury after training camp in the preseason, even though he had a really good camp in preseason? Well, that's not going to be the case anymore. If Smith does not make the team out of camp, assuming he is here, is he is with the Penguins and he's not in the Carlson trade and all that stuff, he will have to go through waivers before he gets sent down to Wilkesbury, And that could be tricky for the Penguins because there could be teams out there who are looking for free help on the left side of their defensive groups. And Smith, he's shown enough at the NHL level already that he could be a cheap ad for teams looking for help on the back end. So this battle with P.O. Joseph is going to be really fascinating heading into camp. It's time for Ty Smith to really show what he has in store. I mean, he only played in nine games this past season, one goal, four points in those games. Stats-wise, when he was on the ice, the Penguins had 49% of the shot attempts, 63.6% of the actual goals. That's solid. 48% of the expected goal share, 46% of the scoring chances, and 47% of the high-danger chances. So only one stat where he was above break-even. I test-wise, when I went back and looked at the film and I did his season review, I honestly liked what I saw, even though some of the numbers were really not up to par. 
I like the way he was able to go from defense to offense with the puck on his stick. I also really liked the way he played on the top power play when Chris Letang was hurt. The way he was able to move the puck along the blue line, get it to the big guns for scoring chances, the way he was also able to fire pucks to the net a lot more often than Letang would do this past season, I thought was pretty impressive. He honestly looked like a natural on that unit. And I want to see more of that if he's able to make the team this upcoming season. And I said this at the time last year, I would have preferred to have Smith on the team over Joseph, but that kind of backfired a little bit on me because I really liked how Joseph played this past season before he got a little bit gassed down the stretch. I liked how he played offensively. Defensively, at times he was pretty good, but it went down a little bit down the stretch in that final month or so of the season. But this battle is going to be back and better than ever heading into camp and heading into the preseason. I do think he would have made the team if the Penguins had the cap space available to keep him because he makes, well, he at the time he made over a million and the Penguins didn't even have cap space to keep him on the team. Sure, Ron Hexton, Brian Burke could have found a trade to put him on the roster similar to what Jim Rutherford did when John Marino just impressed everyone at Penguins training camp a few years ago and it forced his hand to trade Erica Branson. But I guess Hextall really didn't want to do that with the other options on the blue line. But that spot with P.O. Joseph, that's really the only spot open right now on the blue line. Marcus Pedersen and Ryan Graves are going to man the top two spots on the left side. You can interchange them any way you want. Chris Letang will obviously get the top pairing for right now. At least Jeff Petrie is still on the team. That could change depending on what happens with Eric Carlson, if that trade is even made, which who knows if that's going to happen at this point. There continues to be a massive game of chicken in that regard. Then Jan Ruda is on the bottom pairing. And that final spot, POJ or Ty Smith. And I honestly think a defensive-minded partner would work good for Smith, someone who is very good at moving the puck up the ice, very good in the offensive zone. Defense is not his strong suit and someone like Ruda or Chad Riedel could help bail him out if he does make mistakes in his own zone. Also took a little bit of a discount to come back. So that's also big there too, but I'm excited about him. I mean, I was higher on the trade than some other people were at the time when the Penguins shipped Marino out for Smith, because I thought he was going to make the team out of camp and I was disappointed when he didn't, but I know that he struggled in his second season with New Jersey, but there is still quite a bit of talent with this player and he needs to be given a chance to show it in more than just nine to 10 games. He's going to get the chance in training camp and especially the preseason. Hopefully the Penguins will have some salary cap flexibility or more of it per se, because they're over the cap right now. They're going to have to figure out something, but I think it would probably just be them sending down some players to Wilkes-Barre, but if it's between Joseph and Smith, may the best man win when it comes to it. I personally think Smith has more to give offensively. And that's saying something because Joseph had a pretty decent offensive season this past year for the Penguins. His underlings were better than Joseph's. But in terms of raw ability to move the puck in the offensive zone, to walk the blue line on the power play, to go from defense to offense, I like Smith a bit better than POJ in that regard. Defensively, I would still lean POJ, even though he got a bit gassed towards the end of the season. But 
I, I think overall, I, I would go with Smith, especially offensively. But this is his time. If both of them are on the team, it's going to be a really fun battle to look at. But that wraps up this first time diving into the Ty Smith signing, what it means for the Penguins heading into training camp. Let me know what you think down in the comments on YouTube, or you can send me a DM on social media. Do you think Smith is going to be able to beat out P.O. Joseph if both are on the team come training camp? Or do you think he's going to have to potentially pass through waivers? And again, hey, there's a real chance they could lose him, especially if there are teams out there looking for defensemen for free on the waiver wire. Let me know your thoughts on that. Coming up in the second segment, will Sidney Crosby crack the top 10 for the NHL's all-time scoring leaders this upcoming season? It looks a little daunting if you look at the numbers just for this season, but if anyone can do it, I think it is Crosby. But before we dive into that topic, we do have to discuss FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll win $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run in a game. It's on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball and LockedOn. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Hello, Marshall Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So Sidney Crosby right now is 15th on the all-time NHL scoring leaders list. 1,502 points hit the 1,500 point mark late this past season, 550 goals and 952 assists. He is 17 points clear of Alex Ovechkin and almost 250 less games played. That is just how crazy Sid has been during his career. And he's definitely set to pass two Penguin legends this upcoming season. He needs 30 points to pass Paul Coffey. At 14th all-time, Coffey finished his career with 1,531 points. After that, Mark Recchi is at 1,533 points, so Crosby needs 32 points to pass him. After that, long-time San Jose Sharks legend and Boston Bruins legend Joe Thornton at 430 goals and 1,539 points. So assuming Crosby stays healthy, he will at least get up to 12th on the all-time NHL scoring leaders list. After that, you have Ray Bork, who finished his career with 1,579 points. And then Phil Esposito at 1,590 points. He holds the number 10 spot in terms of all-time scoring leaders in NHL history. Right now, if Sid were to stay healthy, he would need 89 points to pass Esposito and get into the top 10 this upcoming season. He's definitely going to do it at some point during his career. But can he do it this season? My answer, I would say yes. This past season, Crosby had 33 goals and 93 points in 82 games. He's continued to have a point-per-game pace or better over the last 15-plus years. That is just how consistent he has been at the NHL level. And yes, he may have to miss a little bit of time next season, but despite that, he has still finished at a point-per-game or better in most of his NHL seasons. Look, 2021-2022, right? 
He played in 69 games. That was a full 82-game season. He still had 31 goals, 84 points in 69 games. Before that, in the shortened season, played in 55 of the 56 games, 24 goals, 62 points in 55 games. Before the COVID-shortened year, which had to be paused because of the outbreak, played in 79 games, 82 games, 80 games, 75 games. He barely had to miss time. It was only a few games. Had 85 points, respectively, 89 points, 89 points again, and then 100 points. That was during the 2018-2019 season. I understand that Sid was a bit younger at the time, but he is still producing despite being in his mid to upper 30s. He's going to be 36 for this upcoming season. I say he does it. With the way that he trains during the offseason, the way that he wants to continue proving people wrong, even though he's a top five player of all time, he is going to do this. And I think it's going to be awesome once he hits it. I mean, again, had over 90 plus points this upcoming season. If he has another fully healthy season, and I'm not going to put it past him to have that considering how he's always in peak conditioning form, how serious he takes everything, I think he's going to do it. Once he does hit the top 10 mark, and I think he does it this season, after that, it's really only a matter of how high up this list is he going to go. Because after Esposito, there's Joe Sackick at 1,641 points. I do think Sid eventually gets there, probably after the 2024-2025 season, if I had to guess. Mario Lemieux, who has the all-time Penguins record in terms of points at 1,723. Right now, Sid needs about 225 points to pass him. If you're looking at exact numbers, he needs 222 points. I do think Sid will eventually pass Mario as the franchise's all-time points leader, and he'll be number eight on that list. Steve Weiserman after that at 1,755. If he plays into his 40s, Sid that is, I think Sid is able to take down his childhood hero. Remember, Sid grew up idolizing Iserman. After that, Marcel Dion at 1,771 points. Ron Francis at 1,798. I don't think he's going to touch Francis. I, I, I think that's maybe a little bit of wishful thinking. I do think, though, he gets past Mario. He gets past Iserman. I just don't know if he's going to pass Dion and Francis. I wouldn't put it past him considering it's Sidney freaking Crosby, but that's just really tough considering right now he needs 300 more points basically to pass Francis. That's going to be pretty tough. He's, I don't think he's going to touch Gordie Howe or Yager or Messier or obviously Wayne Gretzky. No one's gonna ever going to touch that record. But by the end of his career, per se, I do think you will see Sid very close to the top five in all-time scoring, if not in that number five spot. But he'll definitely be inside the top 10, and I do think he hits that number 10 spot this upcoming season. Another all-time record that I think he's going to close in on very soon as well is 1,000 assists. He's only 48 assists away from hitting the 1,000 assist mark, and once he does that, he'll be 14th all-time in assists in initial history. Right now, he is 16, 16th all-time for that record. Only needs five assists to pass Mark Recchi, so he's probably going to pass Mark Recchi with two records this season. After that, he has to pass Doug Gilmore, who finished his career with 964 assists. And then it's Joe Sackick, Mario Lemieux, who has 1,033. Sid, I don't think he's going to touch Mario's record this season because right now he would need to have 81 assists to tie it, 82 to pass it. But I think next season for sure, 
he is going to pass Mario when it comes to that record and get up to 12 all-time. Marcel Dion, Gordie Howe. Sid is definitely coming for a top 10 spot when it comes to the all-time assist uh, records. Gordie Howe finished career with 1,049 assists. Marcel Dion at 1,040. Steve Eisman at 1,063. Adam Oates, 1,079. Sid right now sitting at 952. I say he definitely cracks the top 10, and maybe he even goes upwards of fifth all-time at Yarmie Yarger when he finished with 1,155. Sid right now needs a couple hundred to pass Yarger, a little over a couple hundred, but he's definitely going to finish top 10 when it comes to assists as well as points. So a couple big milestones coming up for Crosby. Now, obviously, he's won his championships. He's won his hearts. He's won, our, he's won the Yard Rosses. He's won the Ted Lindsay's. He's won the Con Smites. But when it comes to all-time NHL records, I think he's going to hit a couple of big ones this upcoming season when it comes to top 10 all-time in scoring and later on top 10 all-time in assists. And especially for this year, 1,000 assists if he stays healthy. That's going to be quite the night, whether it's on the road or whether it's in Pittsburgh. I'll have a segment dedicated to Evgeny Malkin with the players that he will pass points-wise and assist-wise a bit later on this offseason. But I thought this would be a really cool topic to dive into because Sid is closing in on some absolute legends for all-time points and all-time assists. So that wraps up this second segment. Let me know if you think Crosby is going to hit the top 10 of the NHL's all-time points leaders this upcoming season, or if that's going to have to wait until next season. Also, let me know, how high do you think he can go? Do you think he can get to number five all-time when it comes to Ron Francis at 1,798? Or do you think he's going to fall just short of that and not get upwards of 300 more points to end his career? Coming up to end the show, I discussed this topic a little bit with Patrick Damp on my Friday edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast, but I'm going to dive into more of the games that are going to be must-watches and must-see games, whether it's at home or on the road for the Penguins this upcoming season. I dove into a couple of those on my episode, but I didn't dive into all of the games that I think are going to have to be must-watches or must-go-sees. That's coming up right after this. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, Eleanor So Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So as I discussed on my Friday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast, opening night against Chicago is going to be an amazing game to go see and watch. Honestly, Connor Bedard against Cindy Crosby. Penguins going up against the team that eliminated them from playoff contention this past season. A lot of high stakes in that one. And then right after that game, 10-13 against the Washington Capitals in D.C. That's the Caps' home opener. It's honestly pretty rare to see these two teams square off against each other this early in the season, but that one's going to be a ton of fun as well. I will never get tired of seeing Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby go at it, despite them being a bit older now. I know the rivalry is not what it used to be back in, say, 2009, 2016, 2017, 2018, but it's still a pretty big rivalry. Tom Wilson obviously makes a lot of Penguins fans mad. Caps fans still don't like Sidney Crosby. I think I know some Penguins fans that still don't like Alex Ovechkin, though I think it should be a thing where... You don't have to like them, but you have to respect them for how good they are. But these matchups are still a lot of fun to watch. And 
I'm really looking forward to that one as well. You have the Avalanche game at home on 10-26, so right before Halloween. Nathan McKinnon versus Sidney Crosby is always, and I mean always, a popcorn matchup. You have to tune in whether you're watching it or you're seeing it live. The Penguins-Avalanche game in Pittsburgh this past season was awesome. I thought the Penguins were outplayed in that game. They got a goal late in the third period before they won it in overtime. It was probably one of the games of the year. To be honest, it was like that 2-1 final where they won an OT. And seeing those two teams go at it, always a fun time. And obviously, McKinnon going up against his childhood idol in Crosby doesn't get that much better than that. After that, you have the California trip in early November from the 4th until the 9th. I am always a sucker for late night hockey. I'll even throw in the Western Canada trip in there from February 27th to March 3rd. I love when the games start at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 o'clock. 10.30. I'm always up late regardless, but I always love watching as much hockey as I can so I can keep up with the league overall. And I know the California trip isn't as daunting as it used to be because some of the teams that are not that good, especially the Ducks and the Sharks, they're not going to be good this upcoming season. But the games against the Kings are usually fun. The Kings are, are, are a pretty decent team now. But overall, I love staying up for those games, and I hope that there are more late-night hockey addicts like me out there than they're not the Rangers game on November 22nd, the day before Thanksgiving. Sign me up for that. That game is always packed at PBG Paints Arena. Not sure I'm, I'm going to be able to go to that game live because usually I go to my family's Thanksgiving, whether it's in Richmond, Virginia or Northern Virginia because my uncle lives in Richmond and my mom and dad live in Northern Virginia. But with where that Penguins-Rangers rivalry is right now, oh, that, that game is going to probably be a bloodbath as is every Penguins Rangers game at this point. I always love how these rivalries go in cycles, right? Penn's Caps was at the top from 2009, you know, 2016 to 2018. Now it's gone down a little bit. The Flyers won 2012, especially a little after that. That's gone down a little bit. Rangers won was kind of put on the back burner. Now, especially after that playoff series in 2022, that's gone up. Islanders, they're still always there just because they're the Penguins nemesis. But these Ranger games are always must-see slash must-watches. Something crazy is going to happen in that game. You're going to hear the Igor chants. Jacob Trub is going to get booed. whole bunch of other stuff. I'm looking forward to watching that game and potentially being there for that game very much as well. December 16th against the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto. Kyle Dubas's revenge game. He is going to get booed a lot. I'm going to be here for it, injected into my veins. You know the Leafs fans, and especially the Leafs media members, are going to continue to try to make this a rivalry, even though I will continue to argue that it is not. Just because an executive left from that team to go to the Penguins does not make it a rivalry. I will continue to die on that hill, and I know people are going to disagree with me on that. But still, that's going to be awesome. The Pens-Leafs games, no matter they're in Pittsburgh or Toronto, are always a lot of fun to watch, especially with all that skill on the ice. And now with Dubas going back to Toronto for the first time since joining the Penguins as president of hockey operations, that one is going to be a lot of fun. The Islanders game on New Year's Eve at home. I always love the New Year's Eve games just because they start a little earlier than expected. They end about 8.30, 8.45. You can, after that, you can go out party with your friends for New Year, drink some beverages, just have something at home maybe. But that's going to be fun. It's going to be an important game for the Penguins because they need to beat the Islanders this upcoming season. You can't get swept by that team for a second straight season, especially after how those losses 
directly cost the Penguins a playoff spot. If they had just won one of those games, especially the one where the Penguins had a 3-1 lead late in the third period this past season, remember, there was less than six minutes left and they blew that lead, that can't happen. So that one is going to be a very important game. January 15th against Seattle, seeing Brian Dumoulin come back will be awesome. He's going to get a standing ovation, and rightfully so. And then after that, all of the games in April, I think, are going to be massive. Whether it's playing the Rangers, the Devils, the Capitals, the Lightning, the Leafs, the Red Wings, the Bruins, the Islanders, or the Predators. Heck, the Penguins end their season with a game against the Islanders. There's no doubt there. That's probably going to have major implications for a playoff spot. That's going to have to be a must-win game, I think, for the Penguins at the end. But April, that's going to be a lot of fun. I always love that time of year just because the playoffs are coming up and the games are getting that much more important. But those are the games that I have circled for this upcoming season as games that I would either love to A, go and see live at PPG, or B, just watch them. I mean, I'm going to watch every game no matter what just because you know I cover the team for the show and I absolutely love doing what I do here. But in terms of fans out there that may not get a chance to watch every game, these are the ones that I would circle and I would say to you all, hey, make sure you're not doing anything or have any plans when these games are going on. But that will do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to slash watch this episode of the podcast. I'll have another episode for you all later on in the week. Remember, we're not at five episodes a week right now. We're three episodes a week for the next couple of months until training camp. So I'll have another episode. I'm going to try to have another one out on Wednesday. If not Wednesday, I'll definitely do it Thursday and another episode on Friday. Either way this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Thursday, Friday. But overall, going to try to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the entire summer. But again, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. Really, really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday or Thursday.